0: Tonight I will be discussing a topic that I am passionate about, domestic violence, especially within the church. One in four women who sit in our pews will at some point in her life be in an abusive relationship. This is staggering, especially given the fact that over 70% of pastors surveyed said they believe domestic violence is not an issue in their churches. Let's define what is domestic abuse, what is domestic violence. Simply put, it is a pattern of manipulation and coercive control in an intimate partner relationship. While it can also manifest itself between parents and children, most often it is seen in romantic relationships, especially among those who live together. It can manifest itself in different ways, verbal, emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, and physical. All of these grow from the same tree, and the root is power and control. Tonight, I have the incredible pleasure and privilege of having my friend Brianna with me. She is here to share her story with us. Brianna, welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Um, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself, Um Yeah, just anything you want to share.
1: Okay, so I'm Brianna. Um, I grew up in Surrey County. I know Amber from high school. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a stay-at-home homeschooling mom to four kids, ages nine down to two. Um, And uh, I got saved when I was about 12 years old, and Mm. the Lord has been faithful ever since.
0: Mm, That's awesome. So what made you agree to do this podcast? Um, obviously, you've never done anything like it before. So what made you agree to do it? And what do you hope the Lord will do from this?
1: Um, Yes. Yeah, so basically, since my journey started of just figuring out what was going on and how to get out and how faithful the Lord has been, I have just felt the burden that the Lord put me here in this position for a reason. Um, mm. And I want to share that with others. I want Women that are in that situation to know that they're not alone, and that mm. um, there's no shame with where they are, um, and it's something that's not really talked about. And I just want others to feel like that there is hope.
0: Hmm. Yes, because we know that there is hope, you know, with the Lord. But like you yes. said, many people probably feel alone and feel like there isn't hope. So that's really encouraging to hear you say that. Um. Let's just go back to the early days of your relationship um, with your ex-husband. How did y'all meet and how soon after, I guess, you know, if you met when you guys were younger or however, after you met, how soon were you married once things became serious?
1: Okay. So we actually had known each other from when I was a young teenager. We went to church together. He was actually Mm -hmm. 10 years older than me. Okay. Um, So of course, you know, we weren't dating at that time. Um, And then when I was about 18, um, he had heard through similar contacts that I had broken up with my boyfriend. So Mm -hmm. he pursued me at that point. Um, So we started dating in July of that year. We were engaged by November and married by the following October.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Knowing what you know now, um, can you look back during that time and see any red flags or were there truly not any?
1: Knowing what I know now, there were mm. definitely red flags. Um, mm.
0: uh,
1: even yeah, give like us the, some of those. <laughs> yes. So, so first date, for example, he was very um, controlling at the restaurant as far as wanting the order to be exactly correct and getting the mm. waitress to bring us our check. Like as soon as he was ready to leave, just things that I thought were odd at the time. Right. Um, And now looking back and see that that was a little bit of a glimpse into the personality. Mm, Um, Yeah. There was also another specific time that I remember when we were dating. I was in school full-time and working full-time and he had called me and I had not returned his call until that evening. And when I called him, he was like, yeah, I've been down in the basement just like crying because I thought you weren't going to call me back. Oh my goodness. I was like, I mean, I kind of have a busy life and, but you know at that time I just thought, Oh, he's so in love with me Mm. that he just couldn't stand to not talk to me. Um, And, you know, now I can see that was again, just more of the control factor.
0: Yes. So for those that don't know, the root of domestic violence is control. It's this desire to, well, that's about as simple as it gets a desire to control. And from that root grows into Uh, a lot more sin, but the root really is control. And even as you're saying now, like, I've never heard you shared this with me, but I'm like, yeah, that's a red flag. But like, I wouldn't have known that at 18 either, you know? And so, yeah, that is very, very interesting. And definitely just like you said, a glimpse into, you know, who he was and into his personality. So that is very, very intriguing to me. Um, Even though you thought those things were odd, when did you first think something was seriously wrong, or when was your soul unsettled? Because you know what I'm talking about, those moments where you're like, this is just not quite right.
1: Yes. Um, So, I would say there were three different instances within our marriage that really had me saying, that is not how this is supposed to be. Hmm. Um, So, the first one, we had been married for 11 months, um, and I was six months pregnant with our first child. Okay. Um, Okay. So, we were again, moving pretty quickly there. Like, yeah. Um, so we were on our way home from church. We were stopped at a stoplight. We were arguing about something. I don't even know what, um, that was never really relevant. Um, Mm. and he just leaned over across the center console of the car and just headbutted me right in the nose. (sighs)
0: Um,
1: and I was just like, what just happened? You know, I was just in denial. Like I couldn't even believe what had happened. And so, Sure. Of course, I went home and as any sensible person would, got a suitcase and started packing my bag because I wasn't going to stay in that. Right. Um, but then, of course, apologies, um, telling me that no one would ever want him to be a father if they knew that he had done something this way. Our child wouldn't have a dad, all of these things. He would never do mm. it again. Um, mm. So I stayed. I did mm-hmm. not tell anyone about it. I used okay. makeup to cover up the black eyes, you know, all mm-hmm. the typical things. Um, but you know, he said he would never do it again. So, right. I thought things would be okay. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time that I thought this this is not what I signed up for. This is not what marriage is supposed to be.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: What was, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. What was the second instance? That's
1: okay. So then the second instance was, um, after our second child was born. So we had been married for five years at this point. Okay. Um, between the first instance and second instance, there was always drama as far as screaming walls Mm. being punched, things like that, but never enough that I thought it was bad enough. Sure. Um, Um, so this second incident we were actually staying in a rented camper um which of course everyone that's ever been in a camper knows it's pretty small quarters. oh yeah um mm-hmm. not a whole lot of space um and so i was working on fixing supper and i had kids that needed diaper change and etc Anyways, he didn't like something that I said, ended up screaming mm. cuss words at me in front of our kids while I'm trying to fix. Mm. And when that happened, I just thought, I am not going to let my children grow up and think that this is
0: okay. Right.
1: So mm-hmm. um, at that point, we sought help um, because I said, we're not doing this. I'm not going right. to continue to live this way.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, at that point, we went to a marriage counselor. Um, I, Looking back now, I realize that I did not tell the full truth to the marriage counselor. That wasn't on purpose. It sure. was just there was so much shame. And at that point, I didn't even realize the full picture of what, how everything was happening and what was right. going Right.
0: You probably didn't even know what to share. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I did not know some things were actually as relevant as they were like I, right. that I should have shared. Right. Um, but we went to the marriage counseling, we went to a marriage retreat. Um, they had a vow renewal there. Mm-hmm. Um, we did Bible studies together, all initiated by me, of course. Um, okay. Hmm. Um, so, hmm. you know, just anything, I, you know, just grasping for straws, anything that I thought could help. Well, sure. Us. And after that, the instances did reduce. Um, okay. Looking back at it now, I can see that it was still coercive control happening during those times. Right. It wasn't the explosive anger causing me to be scared kind of
0: things. Right. Previously happened. Just out of curiosity, um, would you say that the marriage counseling, if you could do it, well, if you could do it over again, obviously you would have, um, you know, discuss the, the violence and the control, but do you believe that the marriage counselor was qualified to handle a domestic, a domestically abusive relationship? Or do you, or can, can you say that with confidence one way or the other, or just not sure?
1: Um, I feel like I shared enough bits and pieces of information mm-hmm. that he should have saw some red flags if mm-hmm. he was, In any way qualified to deal with domestic violence.
0: Yes. Okay. And the reason I ask that is because so many people think that domestic violence is a marriage problem, but it's not. There Mm -hmm. is a victim and a perpetrator. And so your story is so normal in that many times marriage counseling can help in some ways because it's not like everything that you guys are being told is 100% wrong, but it more is behavior modification for the abuser. It doesn't actually address the root cause. And again, there's a victim and a perpetrator. It's not a marriage problem. And so um, many marriage counselors, marriage and family therapists are not qualified and have not ever been trained in domestic abuse and coercive control. And so that's why I was just sitting on this for a little bit, because I want people to know that sometimes even going to a marriage counselor can make it worse because the counselor will say things like, well, you're both at fault. You know, we're both sinners, you know, things like that, that aren't necessarily, yes, we, we are both sinners, but this is not a, this is not my sin problem here. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so many times it can give the, the abusive husband more ammo to hurt his wife by saying, well, the counselor said you need to do a better job of blah, 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 blah. So I didn't mean to go off on that, but I just want people listening to know that that your experience was very normal and that also it can be very, very damaging to go to a marriage assembly counselor. So, um, but going back to what you were saying, uh, continue because I know you said there were three instances and y'all went to marriage counseling after the second, things did get a little better, but of course it was all initiated by you. And I guess your ex-husband was just kind of along for the ride. Would you say that?
1: Oh, yes. He Mm. he agreed to go to marriage counseling, basically, because I said because I was still working at that time. I was said, If you do not do this, then you have to leave because I just Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to continue to live that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. Okay, Um, But yeah, go ahead. What was the um, the third incident?
1: Okay, so like I said, after marriage counseling, things kind of settled down some. Um, as far as the explosive incidents, they only happened maybe once a year, once every 18 months, which sounds very spread out. But like I said, looking back at it now, it's right. because that was how long it would take me to mm. feel comfortable enough mm. to say what I wanted to say or do what I wanted to do without mm. fear of his, you know, reaction to that.
0: Um, yes, And Mm. so
1: then that's when the Mm. explosive episodes would happen to kind of get me back in line.
0: Right. When you stepped out of his boundaries of control again, that when people sometimes hear, Oh, it, it only happens, you know, once a year, once every 18 months, that doesn't mean they're behaving themselves in between. That means you're walking on eggshells in between and you're Mm -hmm. trying not to do anything to set them off. And what you're doing is normal. You know, like you're just expressing your opinion or saying, no, this is not right. And that's when they will resort to violence or outbursts to try and, quote, put you back in line.
1: Yes. And I'll just throw this in here. That was probably one of the hardest things when I realized that after we separated and I had like space to actually just think about things. Mm. And I real like realized that I was actually... You know, avoiding confrontation with him because I never, right. I never even realized that I was doing that because that's not the kind of person that I am. Like I, I say what I think to anybody. Right, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so it was a hard thing for me to accept that I had actually been doing that and not even like did not even realize it. Yeah. Mm. Um. So, anyways, yes, the occurrences were less. Um. But of course. Eventually there was another um Mm -hmm. that happened right at the end of October of 2019. Um by this time we have four kids. This Mm. was after our last two children were born. Um so we were all in the van on the way home from church once again, Mm. um, and had an argument about something that had been said and he did not like something I said, slammed on the brakes in the middle of the road with her children in the car. Mm. Um, and of course my children are, you know, screaming, crying in the car right. and, and, you know, it was just a, a terrible experience. Um, and at that point was when in my heart and mind, I knew 100% this was not normal marriage right. problems. And I was determined because of the fear that I saw in my children to ensure that that did not ever happen again. Mm.
0: Well, good for you. Many times we'll allow ourselves to endure things that we shouldn't. But when it comes to our children, we're mama bears and we're like, "Uh, no, (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not. So would you say, so my next question for you was actually, it's perfect timing because you kind of already alluded to it. I was going to ask you. What was the final straw for you that made you say, I need to reach out for more help? Like not marriage counseling, but like something further or something else. Was it this right. episode in October yes. of 2019? Okay. Yes. Um,
1: this, this was when I said, I have got to figure out something else because I cannot live like this it's, and I'm not yeah. going to let my children live like this. Um, and I knew I had to do something. So that's when, that's when you come in. (laughs) Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, I obviously know what happened, but for people that are listening, do you want to just briefly mention, um, what made you reach out to me specifically?
1: Yes. So that is when I reached out to Amber. Um, I had saw Facebook posts that Amber had shared about, um, abuse and, you know, just different things that I had saw that she had shared. Um, and I thought. I don't know anybody else that like deals mm. with this. And I uh, was definitely not about to call like the national domestic abuse hotline. Cause I thought like, it can't be like, it's not that bad. I don't need uh-huh. to call it that, a hotline. Mm. Um, so I thought, I know Amber, like I haven't talked to her in 10 years, but let me just <laughs> message Amber and see what she mm. thinks, you know? Um, So at that point, I pretty much messaged you and spilled my whole life story.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was fine. It's totally fine. And
1: um, was able, you know, the Lord was able to really use you to Mm, not only encourage me that, yes, this was not correct, but also connect me to resources, um, to be able to figure out where to go from there.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. And I remember that really, really clearly. Um, when did you, when did it hit you that not only was this not normal, but this was abuse? Because you were saying, like, well, I didn't need to call the, you know, the domestic violence hotline. Like, it's not that bad. When did it right. start hitting you that, like, this is abuse and maybe it is that bad?
1: Right. Um, So I would say that probably started when I messaged you and, you know, you were able to say, yes, this, this is abuse. Like this is not normal problems. Um, Mm -hmm. Not something that a normal person does. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would say from there, it was kind of just a growth process, you know, just kind of like building blocks of you know, reaching out to Call to Peace Ministries and reading the book that Joy Forrest wrote that's called Call to Peace. Um, Yes, awesome book. All of those things were kind of just building blocks for me to educate myself about what I was in and how it operated and what I could do.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I'm a big proponent of sending people resources. And like you said, called to peace ministries in North Carolina is just amazing. (laughs) They're like one of the few and far in between and relatively new organizations that help all women, but specifically Christian women, because there is so much shame of, well, this doesn't happen in Christian homes. This is Mm -hmm. only lost people that do stuff like this. And so, um, which I have my own, feelings on these men. I'm not sure that they can even be in Christ, but when I say Christian homes, I mean those actively involved in the church and who say they're Christians, etc. And so when you were using all these resources, when did you um, decide to tell someone in your family or a friend? Because am I correct in that you had still not told anybody other than me and I guess, you know, the resources you were reaching out to, you hadn't told anybody in your family or friend circle, correct?
1: Correct. Yes. Um, so I had told you about it. Um, and then, you know, after talking to you and and feeling more confident that yes, like this is really wrong. Um, then I was able to talk to my mom about it. Um, which was really hard. Um, Mm. I actually just screenshotted the messages that I had sent you kind of explaining what happened and sent that to her because it was Mm -hmm. just not something that I could go through again.
0: Yes. Um, Yes. Very draining um, to explain all this to someone. So to have to do it time and time again, the screenshot thing is a great idea because that way you do it one time.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, And of course now, like looking back on it, I think it might not have been the best way for her um, Mm. because I'm sure that was a lot to take in for her. Sure. Um, but it was just, I was just so overwhelmed by everything. That was the yeah. only way that I could think that like she could get the truth and know what was going on. Yeah. Um, so what was her I, reaction? I think that she was just in shock. Yeah. Um, at that point I had already like gathered resources for him for getting help from counselors and, things like that nature. Um, so my mom is very much a fixer like I am. And so that was, you know, her, her goal, like, what can we do to help him? What, how can we fix this? Um, Mm. so I think it was, Mm. you know, shock of what had happened, but straight to how can we fix this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Many times we do want to fix it, and the men yeah. will kind of half-heartedly go along with it, won't they? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I want to make a quick distinction that like many times people think, oh, well, if he's agreeing to get help, then that's, that's a good thing. That's progress. Well, I mean, I guess it's better than them flat out saying, no, I'll do nothing. But at the same time, like true biblical repentance is just an extreme awareness of sin a a feeling of of guilt and, and and a healthy shame, a biblical shame of this is wrong. Like I did something wrong. Repentance is a change of mind. It is saying like, I am turning from my sin and turning toward God and I will do whatever I need to do to make this right. And so biblical repentance is very extreme, but you did not see that with him. You just saw him just kind of saying, sure, whatever, like you took the reins, You wanted to fix it. Your mom wanted to fix it. Y'all were sending him resources, but he was, just correct me if I'm wrong. It's my understanding that he was just kind of passive. Like he did them, but he was never like just fully on board, taking responsibility, looking for resources himself. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah. It was Mm. more just, these are the boxes that I have to check. Um, Yes. Because at that time when that incident happened, I said, you have to leave. But this mm. time I had no job um, and four right. children. Yeah. So I felt like without anyone saying, yeah, you need to leave. Without anyone else saying that with me, um, I felt very stuck. Yeah. Um, so at that time, we actually, when I told him that we needed a separation, he did not agree, of course. Right. And so he suggested that we go to speak with our pastor.
0: And he okay. said,
1: if our pastor thinks that we need a separation, then I'll do
0: it. Just a quick interjection to make a clarifying point. When Brianna says that she wanted her ex-husband to leave, that she wanted a separation, she is not talking about a separation that leads to a divorce rather a separation that is necessary so that the wife and children can be physically safe and apart from the abuser. This allows for church discipline to begin taking place where the abuser is held accountable and must endure some consequences for his sin. She will later say this, but at this time she did want reconciliation. She was not throwing in the towel. In fact, she was doing quite the opposite. She was loving her husband well, by allowing him an opportunity to repent while also allowing her to be safe and secure as well as her children.
1: We went and spoke with our pastor and his wife, um, who are wonderful people. Sure. And, um, yeah. um At that time, I was only really allowed to share about the one most recent incident uh, the mm-hmm. others were all in the past. So there was no point in dwelling on the past. Um,
0: That's what he said to you.
1: Essentially. I mean, okay. that, was, that was the kind of the feel of things. Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, obviously now I know that abuse is a pattern of behavior. It's sure. not one specific instance, Right. Um, but you know,
0: you didn't uh, know that, and that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's yes. okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so, I was basically asked to give him another chance. We, you know, talked about some of the things that might have been causing it, um, mm. which wasn't really helpful. <laughs> but right. um, I was asked to give him another chance. Well, I felt like that meant that I had to because.
0: Right, your spiritual leader in your yes. life has said this, and so therefore, yeah, of yeah. course, yeah. And I'll I'll just take a quick moment to say, like, in no way would we ever try to villainize, you know, a pastor or our churches because these are well-meaning, well-intentioned people yes. that are that love you, but they are just so uh, usually ill-equipped to handle these things because it's kind of like you have to have a um, how do you say this? Like a a tuned ear to these things. Like you and I actually both play piano. So the more experience you have with it, like if somebody starts playing a certain chord or a tune, you can recognize it because you've done it for so long. Like, oh, that's a C major, etc. But I can say with confidence that if if you had come to me 10 years ago, I'm afraid of what I would have told you. I might have told you the same thing. You know, so it's not that like all these people are trying to to get you hurt. It's because they really don't know, but they need to know. You know, this is something we need to let our churches know and to be trained in. And at the very least, even if the pastor doesn't know what to do, I'm all about having other people in the church. They don't have to be leaders. They don't have to be pastors or elders or deacons. Have some other women or other men in the church, just, you know, normal everyday people like me and you that are trained in this stuff where the pastor can say, you know what, I'm not sure how to handle this, but let me send you to, you know, brother so-and-so or wh- whoever that may be that has experience with this stuff. And so, yes. yeah, I just want to say that, like, I'm sure your pastor and his wife are great people, but you went to them and now you're kind of told that you essentially have to give them another chance. So
1: yeah. um, but, and yeah. I will add our pastor did say, I'm not a marriage counselor. I don't know. I, I mean, I'll be praying mm-hmm. for y'all. But mm-hmm. he did say he didn't feel like we needed a separation because he didn't right. feel like it was good for us to be a part. Gotcha. Um, mm. But he did encourage us to get other help because he knew that it was outside of his realm good. of what he needed or what okay. he could do, rather.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to yes. hear. Um, what do you feel like was done? As you look back on everything, what do you feel like was done well by your church support system. And when I say church, I don't necessarily just mean the church you went to, but like your Christian circle of fellowship, what do you feel like was done well? Um, And what do you feel like what, what wasn't done well? Or did you just tell your pastor and his wife and your parents? Was there really nobody else that was uh, apart from me, obviously that was speaking into this? Was it just them?
1: Um, It was pretty much just them. I did tell my ex-husband's parents because I felt Mm. like they needed to know what was going on. They Um, did. Good for you. But um, unfortunately, that did not really help anything. Um,
0: Did they make excuses for him?
1: Yes. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's very common, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So basically, everything was my fault because if I didn't make him angry, he wouldn't act Mm -hmm. that way. Yeah, that's again, not how abuse works.
0: (laughs) Right. You're exactly right. Because so many people think, well, it's interesting because they'll say, well, a normal person would never just hit his wife like that. She must have done something, blah, 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 you know, dot, dot, dot. Well, they're right on the first part. A normal person would never hit their wife, but that's it. (laughs) A normal person doesn't hit their wife, but we're not dealing with normal people. We're dealing with people that have some Deeply seated issues, and normally years and years of these issues, and they normally start in childhood. Uh, We see, you know, all of us have this sin nature. And so, so many children, well, every child that has ever lived has a sin nature. And so, children are selfish, but that's when parents come in and teach them to share, teach them to be compassionate, teach them right from wrong. But many times, we see in the family of an abuser, more like, um, a passive type of parenting or a parenting that tends to bail them out of situations, not let them deal with consequences, but trying to quote, love them in quote, you know, by not having them deal with consequences, but by always figuring out their problems for them. And so that is a common denominator with abusive men is normally they have mothers that have spoiled them, made excuses for them. And so, of course, that doesn't help things when they're an adult and now the wife is being blamed for mm-hmm. for their issue. So that that's common as well. Um, when you had told him you guys needed to separate in your mind initially. And again, I'm asking this for people listening because I know most of this stuff. But when you first said, OK, we need to separate. Were you hoping to have reconciliation?
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: Hmm. what changed for you? When did you say like, we just, I can't do this anymore because most people need to know that women do want to reconcile nine times out of 10. They're not just going to quote throw their marriages away for no reason. Like the abuse has been that long or that bad for that long. So when did things start changing for you? And you're like, this can't be worked out.
1: Yeah. So um, after the incident that happened in October of 2019, I had my pastor telling me that I needed to give him another chance. I had my parents saying that they didn't think we needed to live separately. Like they couldn't see any benefit to that. So Mm. I actually remember saying at that point, I feel like I am just waiting for another event to happen so Mm. that you all will say, okay, yes, it is that bad. And now you can separate. Um, Mm. But I went into it with hope, you know, sure hope that the help that he was getting would be enough um to make him change this was different help than him than we had ever you know explored before um and so like i said that was in november of 2019 when he started getting that help um mm-hmm. and then in december of 2020
0: okay so over a year later now
1: over a year later yeah. yes mm-hmm. he's he's completed um at this point, he had completed a battery intervention program. He had completed um, a men of peace program, which is like a Christian version of the battery intervention program. Right. Um, he had been seeing a counselor sometimes weekly um, that was well-versed in domestic violence. All these yes. things Right. should have been given him all of this ability to change. Yes. Um, but then in December of 2020, we had an incident that escalated farther than any other had before where Mm. I was actually like scared that he was physically going to hurt me Mm. um and at that point I knew I could not do this any longer
0: which he did physically hurt you when you say mm -hmm. you were afraid that he would physically hurt you do you mean like further than can you explain more what you mean by that Okay. okay
1: so in this instance basically he did not like what I was saying he ended up basically like chasing me into the kitchen mm. and grabbing me by the neck and slamming my head into the kitchen cabinet door. <sighs> um, and so, you know, a normal person, like you would think, Oh, a normal person, you're in the kitchen. There's a frying pan right behind you. Just pick it up and use it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know in that moment, what I was worried about was turning around and grabbing that frying pan so it wouldn't fall on the floor and wake my babies up. Mm. Um, and you know, that, Like I said, that was the instance where I thought, this this is done. I'm not doing this yeah. anymore because that was the worst that had been. Every other time that something had happened, I thought, well, it's not that bad. Okay. But this instance was that bad
0: in my As, mind. Yeah, no, it was that bad. No, absolutely, like, objectively. Especially, it actually, I would say it was even more heinous because he already knew what he was doing. Yes. And I would say they always know, but he knew intimately like he was being trained on why he was the way he was. Like he had an intimate in-depth knowledge of domestic violence and did it anyway, which is terrifying. And so um, if I remember correctly, you spoke to his counselor and told him that this happened. And the counselor was like, this is incredibly concerning and, Yeah. Well, it kind of said the same thing I just said, like, this is incredibly concerning, especially the fact that he has been given every like cream of the crop resource out there to help him. And yet he would go a year, quote unquote, without an incident behaving himself, but yet all of a sudden it get worse than ever. And so, yeah, for you, that was just kind of like, I'm not doing this. Like I've given you over a year, you've had every possible resource. The church has been involved you're obviously not repentant um, because you did it again. Yeah. And so after he did it, uh, that one incident, can you describe for me how his apologies were? Because many women will say, well, he said he was sorry. But can you describe how his apologies were? And would you say that they were truly repentant? Because I want people Um, to hear this.
1: Yes. So after this incident, I would say it was more... He was more angry. It was less focused on, um, I'm sorry for what I did and Mm -hmm. more focused on, I'm so sorry, please let me stay. Um, Mm -hmm. Because at this point, he realized I I had already taken steps. I had already educated myself. I already knew these things and I wasn't just going to fall back in line like I had all the other times.
0: That's right. He was losing control. Yes. Yes. And that many times, that is when they will up the aggressive, uh, the aggressiveness because or the aggression because as their control is being taken from them, they will resort to whatever they have to do to get it back. And so, yeah, I think you saw that firsthand. So yes,
1: um, thankfully he had, like you were mentioning, a counselor who was very well versed in domestic violence, and I was able to communicate with this counselor um, and tell him what had happened. And thankfully he was able to talk to him and convince him that, yes, he did need to leave. Um,
0: praise the Lord for a good counselor, a good godly counselor like that. Yes. Mm.
1: Yes. The Lord put him in our path, um, again, through resources that you connected me with. Um, and there's, I, I really do not feel like I would be, in as good of a situation as I am today without the Lord using that Mm. counselor.
0: Awesome. Well, for a woman out there who might be listening, who is thinking, okay, this, this is me, a woman who's being abused. What advice and encouragement would you give her?
1: Well, first off, I would like to say, just listen to the Lord. uh, Mm -hmm. Number one. Um, Mm -hmm. I know for sure. The the moment that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, this was after the last incident. And I was driving by myself, just crying and praying mm. and asking the Lord what I needed to do, because I just felt so lost and so helpless yeah. and hopeless. Mm. And I just thought, Lord, like I've had hope for so long that he's going to change and he's not mm-hmm. like, what am I supposed to do? And it was the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, your hope is not supposed to be in man. Your Mm. hope should be in me. Mm. Um, And so at that point I was able to take my hope from where it wasn't supposed to be and place Mm. it back with the Lord. Um, And, you know, he has just Mm. been so faithful through the whole entire process of every decision that I've had to make, he's made a way for it. Um, Mm. So that would be my number one advice get right with the Lord and know that he's there for you um yeah. and and the Lord is on your side yeah you, know, you know there are many men that will say uh, God hates divorce so you know we we're just we have to stay together because God hates yeah. divorce um but that's that's not exactly the case when it comes to abuse you know um the Lord values your life more yes. than he values your marriage. Yes.
0: Um,
1: mm. And, you know, that's, that's another thing. Um, also, I would say to someone in that position that it's not your shame to bear. Mm. It, it feels so shameful to, to feel like you're just, like other people would just think, why would you put up with that? Why yes. would you mm. want to be in that? Um, But it's not your shame. They are the ones that are making those choices and you're just doing the best you can to make a life for you and your children.
0: That's right. and, Mm -hmm. And
1: make things the way that they should be. But you just, you can't change someone else that has to be them.
0: How long have you guys, um, or how long have you been out of the relationship and how are you doing now? Like how, what would you say to your past self? And I know that you're still going through some healing, but you seem like you are very happy. So can you just end tonight with just telling us how you've been doing since all this, how long y'all have been separated and just kind of what you hope for yourself and for your children for the future?
1: Yes. So um, we actually separated on January 1st um, of this year. So mm-hmm. he's been living out of the home since then. Um, mm-hmm the Lord has provided in ways that I could never have even imagined. I'm still able to homeschool my children. Mm. Um, it's awesome. We, of course, we don't have a lot of things that other people have or a lot of money like other people might have, but Mm. we still have the things that matter of, you know, being Mm. together and, um, you know, like, I mean, I just can't say it enough. The Lord has been so faithful. Um, Every every step of the way he's provided and he's provided farther and beyond what I could have even dreamed. <laughs> so Yeah. I
0: yeah. bet when you were in the relationship, you probably looked at the future kind of hopelessly, but I bet now you're excited about your future. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. Yes. To see um, my babies be able to enjoy life and, and not have to worry about if something's going to you know, make someone upset or if something's going to happen and they can just, you know, be free. And it just gives me such peace.
0: As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you or someone, you know, might be involved in a domestically abusive relationship, please feel free to reach out to me or Brianna or called to peace ministries. That is the ministry we mentioned during this podcast. I'm always up for feedback or questions, so feel free to message me on Facebook or email me at blamibo.go at hushmail.com. That's blamib dot G-O at hushmail.com. Thank you and God bless.